0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Zeidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Let's head inside the college football film room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are headed into week four of the college football season. And, Chris, we say this every week, but just seems like the calendar is moving further and faster along.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, hard to believe, it's hard, already hard to believe we're getting to week four. And then, of course, some of the weeks kind of go kind of quickly, and we see a lot of the matchups that are not real good. But we're getting at the point where – we got some good matchups this week and then we're we're really going to be hitting the stage next week where most everybody not everybody is in the full fledged conference mode which uh, there's always some you know incongruity around the college scheduling but we got some good matchups and yeah we're we're starting to see a little bit I call it the pre-conference you know mode which is you know some teams have already started conference play but you have a little bit of a feel for some of the teams and where they are ahead of going into conference play. But we're going to really start to figure out in these next two or three weeks kind of where teams are or where teams are not.
0: Well, Chris, at the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like football, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie has got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should too. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit if you use the promo code C Film. Do the smart thing, guys. If you're gonna bet this football season, bet with MyBookie.ag, and don't forget to activate the offer by using the promo code C Film. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Well, Chris, one of the biggest storylines coming out of week 3 and projecting forward is the loss of Felipe Franks for Florida. Uh the Gators had to turn to Kyle Trask at the quarterback position and he played nicely. 9 of 13 passing, 126 yards against Kentucky and the Gators held on to win 29-21. Tell us about Kyle Trask and what Gators fans can expect to see from this kid.
1: Well, you know, I like the kid a lot. The kid's a transfer. The kid's been around for I mean, excuse me. Uh not transferred and and kind of comes from a background of of you know he could have moved on. People were interested, but he stuck with the program and you know he's getting his opportunity. It's a, we don't focus on that enough. And why I want to focus on it? The kid was ready, seized his opportunity. And quite frankly, I hate for Felipe Franks that he got injured, but I think that Florida's offense is going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, I think they're probably better off. I think he can protect the football better, and I think they'll have a package for Emory Jones. I think it's what the offense needed, quite frankly, uh, n- not the injury to Franks. But, I, I, I listen, I think there are limitations, but I think that uh, Dan will do a good job with them. And, um, you know, I'm curious to see how this will – will develop here. They've got to get more out of that offense if they're going to be successful against the likes of Auburn and uh, an LSU where they're going to have to score some points. They were very fortunate to get out of that game last week. Kentucky played them very well. And I don't know if they win that game if it wasn't for Kyle Trask. I mean, he really led them and sparked them. And, uh, you know, that was the type of game that was dangerous and mistakes were taking place. And we've seen that with Felipe Franks. Uh, mistakes have, have kind of cost them. And sometimes, like in the upset over LSU last year, they kind of won despite Felipe Frank. So I, I feel awful for, for Felipe, but I'm probably in the minority. I actually think that there's – I'm not saying that they're going to take it to a new level, but I think they've got a chance to be better offensively with Kyle and with Emory Jones in a package. I'm I'm most curious about – what they're going to do with Emory Jones. I mean, they are they they say they're going to use them in a package. I'm curious to see if they do that this week against Tennessee because obviously it gets a little bit more challenging here. Uh, I wouldn't want to necessarily uh, try them out uh, in my first game. You've got Tennessee, they've got Townsend, and then they've got Auburn. So I think the next two weeks I'm curious to see what they do with both these quarterbacks.
0: Well, you mentioned their schedule, Chris, and and I I don't ever want to say that there's a good time to have an injury because you never want to see injuries happen, but this happened somewhat at a fortunate time for them because now you have the two games against Tennessee and Towson, two opponents that you should beat rather easily, and you have this chance to get a look at your team with Trask at quarterback before you head into that tough stretch against Auburn and LSU.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that in some ways – Okay, there's a reason why Felipe was starting. They obviously felt comfortable in him, but I, I thought he made enough mistakes in the Miami game to almost cost them the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it wouldn't be for their mistakes, they probably lose that game. Tennessee Martin's a different story. So, look, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, there's no question that I would put it this way. I, I think they've got two capable quarterbacks that, in my mind, may be able to protect the football even better than Felipe. We'll see. Maybe wrong on this. I just have a little bit. I don't. I'm not, and has haven't been as high in Felipe Franks as some, and so I think this could bring about a different element. Different is not necessarily good, but I think that Florida's offense is going to be very limited with Felipe. It still may be limited, but I think it does give them a chance against Tennessee and certainly against Thousand to get ready because, uh, as you mentioned, that's the two games. And the two games after that is Auburn and LSU. And then you go to South Carolina, which you better have enough offense because I think that they could, they probably are in a shape where they'd be lucky to win one out of those three games with improved offense. Who knows? Maybe they can be better because I think defensively, they're still pretty good, a little thin in the secondary, but they need more offensively and had, Kentucky Knight had some of their issues they, they may not have gotten out of that game alive in uh, in Lexington
0: we stick at the offensive side of the football, Chris, and I get, I'm i continually impressed by Joe Burrow and LSU. I can't stress it enough how different this offense looks from a traditional LSU Tiger offense. The Joe Brady influence is, is clear and distinct, and, and this team offensively, I know it was a weak opponent, but they are playing so much better this season than what they have in the past, and I'm just really excited to see how they progress throughout the season.
1: Well, as am I, I'm curious to see how they do against Florida and against Auburn, and then later in the year against Alabama. Um, you know, if you look at the schedule, uh, they're they're in pretty good shape. There's no reason why this team can't be undefeated. It should be undefeated, going into the Alabama game. Will they? I, I suspect they will, but um we we'll, we shall see uh, i I do think the offense is really explosive. I will say it again. In order to be complete, they've got to be a little bit more functional with their four-minute offense, being able to run the football. Um, I think those are things that they've not been asked to do. I think they felt like they they needed to outscore Texas, you know, probably probably put that game in range of Texas, maybe a little bit more. I thought maybe more commitment to the running game might have been a better way to go, but they managed to get out of that alive. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, it may be real interesting in a shootout matchup potentially with Alabama, but I still say that if it comes to that type of game and it's and it's further enough away, November 9th is, is still a long ways away for Alabama and LSU. I will put them both in the same category and say, boys, you better figure out your four-minute offense. And the team that mm. can do that the best is probably going to be the one Because I think when you get into shootout matchups, you become a little risky. I don't care how good you are. You just have days where it's a little bit of an off day and you're in a shootout. And and you're lucky to win a game that you probably should win by 17 points and you're trying to win in the fourth quarter. And so I, I just think that LSU certainly, let's say compared to Florida and Auburn, which is the two toughest games they've got to play prior to the Alabama game. Um, You know, I think they can score points early on those teams. Um, I think it's going to be tough for both of those teams are going to be on the road in Tiger Stadium to to score enough points to win that. But, you know, if LSU continues their fast pace, then all of a sudden, you know, one of those teams can control the football on you. You got a tired defense. Then you then I think you kind of take take the advantages you have and neutralize it. I just believe that you score points out of the passing game, but I think you win games offensively out of the run game and, and controlling mm-hmm. that side of it. And that protects your defense. It keeps your defense fresh. So I, I think big picture, LSU's fine. I think they're in good shape. I think they win their games. I think the same thing with Alabama. I think they're on a collision course. But I think Who's the best team? Who's the best that comes out of that is going to be what I just said—the team that maybe can control it the best. Otherwise, it's shoot our game, and quite frankly, that's the case. Neither one of them might be able to handle Georgia in the end, you know, because yeah. Georgia is the type of team that, to me, is a line of scrimmage team. They're better at the line of scrimmage than Alabama and LSU at this point, and their ability to work play action. It's interesting. It's an interesting dichotomy, but uh, I, it's it's ironic that we're focusing on potentially LSU, Alabama, and what was the 9-6 game. Oh, man, it was 2011. So, how many years ago? that That's going to be, what, eight years now, technically? Uh, yeah. We, we could be looking at a game where, hey, can can anybody stop the other? You know, these offenses look so good. So, Alabama's so young on defense. LSU right now um, defensively playing well against, you know, weak teams, but against the one team with a pulse offensively. Um, look, they – they they struggled a little bit against Texas.
0: One more positive story here on the offensive side of the football. Do you realize that Jalen
1: Hurts has more touchdowns than incompletions this season? Yes, he's been phenomenal. And the one thing that they're doing with him is they're featuring him in the run game. Yes, very effectively. And so that's creating a lot of opportunities in the passing game. So it's different than how they played the previous two quarterbacks, which were pass oriented and they would run, and a lot of improvisation runs. There are a lot of design runs. They had 99 yards. He had 99 yards of offense on the first try you UCLA. <laughs> so, I mean, they were just – they're just moving the football at ease, uh, and it's going to be very difficult to stop them. Can't wait for OU Texas in a few weeks. Um, but I, I – you know, I just – I don't see anybody beating Oklahoma in their schedule. I think Oklahoma is, is definitely one of the better teams in the country. But there again – They are the, you know, like Alabama. I think Alabama and Oklahoma are the two teams that just look unstoppable offensively. It's like, you know, what can you do to stop them? But, you know, you just, with Oklahoma, you definitely worry about the defense. With with Alabama, it's, you know, okay, you worry about the defense if the running game doesn't hold up. Oklahoma's going to do what they do. They're going to live and die with it you know Alabama's a little interesting but uh, that that would be a, an intriguing matchup and right now um those you know Oklahoma and Ohio State you know a, along with Alabama Georgia Clemson they look like the top 5 teams in the country and LSU I would, would agree. Be 6 yeah um but you know what Clemson's not playing all that sharp um I mean everybody's got their issues but they still look like Even when they don't play well, they're superior to the people that they're playing. And comparatively speaking, uh, look superior to most of the teams in the country. Uh, One
0: final recap story here before we get into our week four preview. Another week, Chris, another blown lead for Florida State. One and two now on the year. They lose to Virginia 31-24. They allowed 21 points. In the fourth quarter of that game, after going into the half with the lead, this is now not just a a one-week thing. This is every week now with this Florida State team blowing leads in the second half, not making halftime adjustments against these teams, and getting beat and losing games where they're certainly capable of winning.
1: Well, the defense played better. They held Virginia down. They're, They're not going to close out games if they continue the pace of offense, as simple as that. I mean, I've, I've said it week one, week two, week three, I, you know, I, I I can keep saying it. Nothing's going to change until they make changes. I think that Jim Levitt, you know, who's brought in as an analyst. He's going to be more than an analyst. He's going to have a, a significant role in this defense and how they play it. And I said this on a different platform that knowing Jim Levitt and all I he is he's, he's, It's going to get interesting in that that staff room because uh, Mm. he's the type that that will will go over to Kendall Browse and grab him around the neck and squeeze it so hard his head (laughs) might pop off if he doesn't slow down the pace of that because that's the difference. That's the variable there. They've got better athletes than Virginia. And, you know, you see Virginia's you know, a better constructed team and how they play Virginia. I don't know. They got a little bit of the Florida state disease. I mean, they had like, you know, 42 penalties on the last drive to keep Florida state alive. Florida state had a chance to come back and win it. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, a lot of the, what I see with Florida state is it, it, it's, it's they don't adjust because they're a one speed offense. They that's what they've designed. That would, they focus on, but they don't have an understanding of how to play a complementary game. And defensively, I'm going to tell you, there are two or three guys. Marvin Wilson, he may be the MVP of the ACC to this point. He, No one's graded out better in that league when I study tape. Wow. I mean, he's a great defensive player. I mean, great. I mean, he's one of the best in the country. But, but you put – and they've got a couple of linebackers that are making plays. Samuel's – I mean, they've got players – the problem is they get put in bad situations and they're on the field way too much and on short intervals from one series to the next. And it's going to virtually prevent you from keeping leads. Think about it. You know, for folks that are wondering what I'm saying, think about this for a second. You're going to be temple, temple, quick, quick, know how to quick, quick. Well, what happens when you got a 24 nothing lead, let's say? Well, if you're quick tempo, quick tempo, and you go three and out, you just gave an extra possession away. Well, exactly. Football is a clock game. You're facing your opponent, and you're facing the clock. Well, now you just give your opponent about two extra possessions, a half, free shots. I mean, it's a you know, it's like giving and what, them and what, an extra shot. And, what, and what's hurting them? Giving also, giving them an extra shot at the basket. I mean, it's common math.
0: Yeah, and so, Chris, they're not giving their defense time to rest either. Like when, Let's say well, their opponent has a drive well, and, and the defense get, gets gassed and then they go three and out. It's not just about giving them an extra possession.
1: Their defense has no time to rest. That's what, I, that's what I've been saying. That's what I've been saying for several weeks. I've explained it time and time again. So, that doesn't change. The only variable you have if you're Florida State is, is the opponent good enough to take advantage of those opportunities? So, you know, this week, Louisville's probably not good enough to be able to take advantage of it. So, oh, boy, they made improvements. They win this week. Well, no, not really, and I'm not saying that Louisville can't play well. UL Monroe did it, and that's the team that got a, a, a bunch of possessions. Well, guess what? By the time you get that many possessions, and yes, I've said that's what I mean by saying when shorter intervals between series, well, that's what they're doing. They're putting the defense back on the field quick, And because of their offense is not sustainable and they can't run a huddle and take some clock off, allow their defense to get their legs under them, because they can't do that, won't do that, not effective doing that, well, then, you know, then you're in trouble. Then you're in absolute trouble because, again, it's – I use the basketball analogy – If you're a jump shooting team, you're up and down the court, you don't get back on defense, you miss a shot and you don't get a rebound, it's an easy layup. You got no defense on the other end. Well, this is what's happening in a football sense to Florida State. So, you know, at this stage, it's about fixing that. You fix that, then I think you got a better chance, a much better chance of closing it out. Yeah, there are problems on defense, the problems on how they're playing it, but it's a one hell of a chore to try to try to get that defense playing well for as many snaps as they have to play with the limited amount of rest that they have between series. So uh, it's, it's a recurring theme. Hey, but, but talk about, you know, negative, my God, Michigan state's offense, what a disaster. That I, I, is. You I, know, I, Renner, I
0: was head scratching. That game was just head scratching. Well,
1: you know, they ran the football very, very well and they did nothing inside the red zone. They really dominated Arizona State and couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Really frustrating for Michigan State to lose the way they did, and certainly there were the mistakes down the stretch. And well, the way it the ended ball. with the twelve men on the field
0: penalty at the how does that happen? You
1: know, well, you can't get
0: it, a game winning field, a game tying field goal
1: at the end of regulation, and you have twelve men on the field. Well, it's that's yeah, a mistake, but then you know they also it ended on the play after when they should have been the benefit of a 15 yard penalty is Arizona state. They missed the call. Um, the defender jump in the center, uh, yep. that, that, that can't be missed there. But to me, the storyline there is okay. Maybe the collapse at the end is a storyline, but, but the biggest storyline, when you look at the tape is the fact that yeah, you watch the tape and you think, yeah, okay, Michigan State won that game by about 17 points because <laughs> that's how it looked. That's how they – and they could not do anything in the red zone to capitalize. And so that was kind of a big, big storyline. They're not in conference play yet, but that defense at Michigan State is national championship playoff caliber. That's what they're wasting there. And, you know, that's that's unfortunate to see a defense that good that basically has to not only stop upon it, but they have to score points or create very short fields for an offense that uh, just can't punch in the end zone. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if they can get a little bit better this week against Northwestern and going forward as they – hey, no way to hide – where to hide in conference play, I can tell you. (laughs) No,
0: no, there isn't. Uh, Let's get into some of the games here for week four. The action gets started on Friday in the top 25, where a key matchup in the Pac-12, Utah at USC at the Coliseum, a little Pac-12 after dark action. If you want to stay up late on your Friday night, can USC rebound from that loss against BYU and have a better
1: offensive performance or better defensive performance, I should say, against Utah? They can. They're athletic enough to do it. There's no consistency in this team. The coaching... Has been a consistent problem there, and you never know what you're going to get. Defensively, their defense, did you? They're a junk defense. That athletic, that could throw a really good game plan at Utah. I absolutely could see a good game plan out of USC. Would I bet on it? Absolutely not. I mean, it could <laughs> up the joint. That's the thing you're looking at. This is a team that is very dangerous. A lot of good receivers, but I, you know, BYU did a really good job. You're, you're going to see a better version of BYU in Utah, uh, an even more disciplined version, a more talented defensive front, a team that tackles well in space. So they better get the ball out of the hands of, of, of Slovis's uh, hands quickly. They have done that, but can they make plays after the catch? Not likely against this Utah defense. And then, you know, defensively, uh, what are they going to do? How are they going to match up? Um, you know, getting off of blocks. I mean, I, I think that, I don't – Utah's is, is, is a team that wears on you more than blows you out. I mean, they blow you out over four quarters and you, you really get worn down. Um, I think it's going to be four quarters of Utah being Utah, consistent, well-coached. In USC, one of two things. they're They're going to get kind of run out because they get misaligned and make a lot of negative plays, or they're going to make a lot of explosive plays that are going to cause Utah to get out of their rhythm a little bit. So listen, it's worth watching because u s c is definitely capable they they have the personnel to cause problems, but they're not it's not sustainable from a week to week basis. I think we've seen it the other alarming thing was you know they beat Stanford yes, and that was impressive, but looking at what central Florida did against, oh, Stanford, yeah, it just makes you look at u s c and think oh man uh, no i i don't I don't really like the chances of u s c here just because of the stability and the solid nature of Utah and how that might match up in this game.
0: That's a good point there. When you look at the comparison, like how how impressive was that USC victory, considering what we just saw Stanford do, getting blown out by UCF. Uh, let's let's go to a big matchup in the Big Ten. Chris, a noon kickoff on Saturday. It is Michigan and Wisconsin in a game that you know could very well be an elimination game for a Big Ten team trying to get to the College Football Playoff. One of these teams will have a loss on their schedule, and we all know how uh, tough that's going to be for a Big Ten team to, to have some losses on their schedule. Can Wisconsin do enough to hold off Michigan's offense, which at times this year has gone missing?
1: Yeah, you know, listen, I think they can. But, um, you know, a couple of things that jump out at me. Wisconsin hasn't really been tested. Um, they've been really sound. I mean, they've, they've, not, they've been mistake-free. I mean, so you play, you know, outmanned opponents, but you shut them out. You don't make mistakes. They don't get first downs. They the teams against them don't convert their own third downs. Um, they just they've done exactly what you want to do. Now now how they're going to be able to do now offensively? It's pretty clear what you got to do. You got to stop Taylor. And you know Jack Cohn has done a really good job. That receiving core at Wisconsin's underrated, but the reason they're successful is they can get the safeties moved out of the middle of the field because of the fact you have to overplay the run. Yes. So that that's what you have to do. It's what Michigan's going to do. Expect a good defensive game plan for Don Brown. I expect Michigan to rise up and play well defensively. Cause a little stress against Wisconsin. We'll see how well Jack Cohen can make plays. I mean, I think that's, that's going to be key on that side of the ball. On the other side, Wisconsin is well positioned on defense. They're good in all three levels, not overly athletic. We'll see if Michigan can get their offense lined up correctly, get into a rhythm. They've had the time to kind of prepare and adjust. You know, listen, I I don't know. I mean, I'm as excited and curious as anybody to watch and see how this unfolds. I think Michigan's
0: got to play. They got to play faster
1: in this game. You know, they 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 got to exploit some things. They 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 couldn't they they couldn't effectively play fast against Army. And a lot of it was they didn't have a lot of possessions, but when they had possessions, they couldn't move it effectively against Army. So they had to run power against Army to get out of that game, and they still almost lost it. So, And I know it was about, well, defending that Army offense. To me, the bigger problem was, A, the offense of Michigan didn't have enough possessions because Mm -hmm. Army controlled the possessions. But the most alarming thing was how ineffective even though they might have been out of pace, out of rhythm because they didn't have enough possessions, how ineffective their offense was against armor We're not talking about an elite Army defense here. Um, and so, look, I, we'll see. You know, what are you going to get out of Patterson? I mean, he's going to be sharp. I mean, you can run tempo. You can. I, I think certainly you got some speed advantages. You've got some receivers that you can take advantage of. But if Patterson's not sharp and they're not running the foot, uh, they're not uh, throwing the football effectively and accurately it's going to fall apart and it's going to crater on them because I agree with you. I think the advantage they have offensively is to get Wisconsin into some pace, to get them to make plays in space. I look at Wisconsin as the, as the better team at the line of scrimmage well positioned. And if you try to run at them, then you're not going to have a lot of success. I do think that Michigan has to spread out Wisconsin and they have to be effective doing agreed, it. not just about scheme, but it's how you execute the scheme. We know what Michigan wants to be, what they're trying to be. That doesn't mean anything if you don't execute it. And so if they don't execute it, what do they do? Where do they go? I mean, I think those things are real pertinent questions to ask. And how much have they grown from that Army game? Because you put that behind a really good performance, no one is talking about that. Then all of a sudden, Michigan is back into the discussion and people talking – I'm not buying into Michigan long-term. I don't think they match up well against Ohio State, mm-hmm. but that is that is not relevant at this stage. What's relevant is can they take care of this matchup, which you're correct. It's a big matchup. It's the toughest opponent that they'll face. They've got Iowa at home in a couple of weeks, uh, and it's the toughest opponent they play until like they go to Penn State and Notre Dame in uh, mid-to-late October. So we're talking about you know a Michigan team, that has a chance to be unbeaten going into that stretch or licking their wounds after a loss and trying to figure how to get things right against Rutgers so that they don't drop another one to Iowa. This is a big game for them. And for Wisconsin, it's certainly big. Um, it's not a West game, but is a game that counts towards winning the West. Yes. And so uh, I, think it's, I think it's really huge. I think it's, I think it's the most intriguing matchup of the weekend in terms of its importance, one, and two, that it's conference importance, and three, I think it's evenly matched. Now, I think most people would say, "Ah, oh, seen Michigan. They're not any good. Wisconsin's won everybody out. It's a mismatch. I don't see it that way. I think Wisconsin could win it. I think I'd give a, Wisconsin a little bit of edge at home, but I do think, the, the the biggest thing that would hold me back on Michigan is just I don't know what they're going to get execution-wise out of their offense. Uh-huh. But I do think that Michigan, you know, with a clean game, see, Michigan's made tons of mistakes. They can't have that and beat Wisconsin. But if they play a clean game, I think they can make a, a lot better game of this than people think. And it would not surprise me if they went on the road and won. Um, but – I guess in some ways I'd be surprised if they play a really clean game on offense. Cause they've been so inconsistent thus far.
0: Yeah, I would agree with
1: that point. Uh, let's
0: move along to Auburn against Texas A&M in the first real road test for Bo Nix. You know, the first game of the season against uh, Oregon was on a neutral field and you had fans from both schools there. This is his first true road test against the 12th man at college station. It's one of the toughest places in the country to play can he handle – I guess we, we don't know because we haven't seen it. Can, do you think he can handle this atmosphere?
1: Well, you know, listen, it's it's not about him. They're not going to put him where, you know, you, you put him in a situation where he's got to drop back, throw the That's not what they do. That's not what they want. Uh, can he handle the situation? Well, yes, he can do his part. And what is his part? They The tempo is gradually gotten a little quicker and he's become a little bit more comfortable. I think they can move the football against A&M's defense effectively enough, but it to me, the thing that jumps out at me against Auburn is that their offensive line, a senior, a veteran-laden offensive line, it's not played all that well, and that is the key. They've got to be able to, you know, be able to pace people with the run game, and if they can run the football, I think Bo will be fine. If they don't, and Bo's got to throw it a ton, then it's not going to be real successful. But I think the advantage here is the matchup is most intriguing is the game of opposites. I think that uh, Auburn's defense is really, really good. And I think A&M's offense is good. I know it didn't look good against Clemson, but that's going to be a real challenge. And I think that you're going to see a better A&M performance at home offensively. But how much can they do against that defense? That's an intriguing matchup. And then flipping it on the other side, which you just mentioned, is what can Auburn do at the line of scrimmage? They've got to play better. You can move the football against this NM's defense. But I got to tell you, this AM defense I thought played very well, all things considered, with no support against Clemson. So look, I, I think if you you're looking at the game of strengths, you know, you you definitely look at Auburn defensive strength over NM's, um, you know, defense. But I do think that the, the quote unquote weakness, if you want to call it that could be very well that A&M's defense might be able to hold up pretty well at home. Maybe that's a slight edge in this one, but I, I think this is maybe the second most intriguing matchup of the weekend in terms of style versus style strength mm-hmm. versus weakness and vice versa. I think this matchup's really good. And, again, a conference game, which is going to at least kind of, you know, with the schedules that both have, neither one are going to factor into the West race, but certainly could have an impact. And, obviously, the overall record, um, you know, with, with, with both of them having to play, you know, Auburn – excuse me, at Georgia and Alabama – um, you know, and Auburn having, you know, a tougher little, uh, uh, you know, a tough stretch of their own and A&M even have, uh, Clemson that they played. Um, this, this certainly could have an impact on their overall record and the quality overall of the season and the, the type of bowl game and so on and so forth.
0: Saturday night, Chris, it's the first top 10 matchup non-conference being played in Athens. In 53 years, number seven, Notre Dame, number three, Georgia. The Bulldogs are 14-point favorites in this game. If that tells you anything about these two teams and what uh, Vegas thinks about them. This is going to attract national attention because you know, regardless of how Notre Dame actually plays on the field, they carry all the hype
1: in the world behind them. Are they in for a rude awakening in Athens? I think they they are. Um, I think Ian Book's going to have to have a fantastic game. I don't think he's going to get enough support in the run game. So I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to work the quick pass game. Ian Book's going to have to uh, – I don't know that the receivers are going to be able to help him enough vertically, but they're going to have to make some big plays downfield. So they're going to have to really spread out George's defense and make them cover you know, horizontally, vertically, as much as possible to stay in this game. Um, Georgia's not played anybody yet. And they've kind of welcomed to the season. They haven't done anything. I know Notre Dame hasn't really played tough schedule yet, but at least Louisville was, was something. It's just This is just the first real look at both of these teams this year. I think Georgia's quite a bit better. I think Georgia's better at the line of scrimmage both ways. Uh, I think they're just really good on the offensive line. Now, Notre Dame's defensive front's good, so that's a matchup you want to watch. But I think, you know, what George is doing is running a lot of power. They're getting – you've got to set the edge because, man, they've got underrated speed um, to hit the C-gap and really test you. You know, your lane integrity, your ability to set the edge defensively, it's it's a huge challenge. He'll gash you up the middle. And then I think from as outstanding as a play-action passer. And, yeah, the young receivers are really starting to develop – um, they've got some matchup advantages that Georgia has in the passing game, but they get you biting up on the run. You've got to suck up against that run, and I think that's where they beat you. Look, Georgia hasn't done anything yet. Notre Dame hasn't done anything yet. We'll learn a lot, but I think I think at the end of this game – it's going to be a statement game for Georgia. I think they win. I think they win going away. And I think now we're going to have the talk as we do the overreaction after one week. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Georgia one. Are they two? Do they look better than Clemson now And all that talk <laughs> does not which doesn't really mean a whole lot. No. Maybe it matters in terms of comparison against Clemson because they don't play them. Um, but you know, in terms of, you know, Alabama, that's, a, that is a collision course. if both take care of business, but I think this Georgia team is better than the one that played last year. People will focus on Notre Dame played Georgia what last year. They were right in the game. I don't I think this Georgia team's better. I think from remember from was an early starter, just kind of getting his feet wet. He's a veteran now. I mean, he's he's a different looking guy. And I, I think Georgia, I think Georgia wins going away. I'd be very surprised if this is a close game, a one possession game in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, I'm right there, lockstep with you. You and I have talked about this uh, all preseason long. Uh, Georgia is in that tier with Alabama and Clemson. As, as head and shoulders above the other teams in college football, I have Georgia as my national champion this year. I'm That's how high I am on them, and I don't think this game is going to be close. I think Notre Dame fans are going to be in for a rude awakening, thinking that this might be a repeat of last year or this is going to be the type of game where they're going to shock the world. I just don't see it happening. I think Georgia is that much better than Notre Dame. So it's going to be a, a fun game to watch on Saturday night. Uh, real quick, is there any other games that stand out to you that we didn't go over here, maybe not just in the top 25
1: schedule? Yeah, you know, Oklahoma State, Texas. Um, you know, Oklahoma State uh, is always dangerous offensively. They started off slow against Tulsa last week. I, I don't think they're good enough to beat Texas. but Hubbard's looked you know, good, though. I'm sorry? Hubbard's looked good oh, so Judo, far. Judo Hubbard's been outstanding. Well, he kind of took over the game. Um, I'm curious to see again. Uh, the, the Oklahoma State's the proverbial, you know, explosive team. They're not going to be able to stop Texas. So, can they control the football um, a little bit more in this game? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see this game for that reason. Uh, I'm not as excited to watch an Oregon Stanford because of what Stanford's looking like. Yeah. Um, you know, Colorado, Arizona State's intriguing. Um, We talked a little bit about uh, Florida State, and just from the standpoint of trying to figure things out, um, we'll see what they do against Louisville. Michigan State, Northwestern, we kind of peeked into a little bit. Uh, Cal, Ole Miss, interesting game. Cal's going to be starting it. uh, The game's going to be starting at 9 a.m., body clock time for the Cal Bears. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. Ole Miss is starting to play a little bit better, going to be a lot of fun. And then a couple of other SEC games, South Carolina, Missouri. In Kentucky, Mississippi State, big one for Mississippi State after really making What's a lot of What's up with Tommy Stevens? Because, well, you know, he's banged up, injured, not playing well, turning the football over last week. They really were sloppy, sloppy against Kansas State, and Kansas State made them pay. And, you know, if they lose to Kentucky at home, it's it's going to be – it's going to start to get a little uncomfortable with with how this has kind of been an underachieving you know, year and early start to the second year for Joe Moorhead. So, um, you know, Kentucky's tough, good line of scrimmage team. And Mississippi State's going to have to play better, pure and simple, if if they're going to beat Kentucky. I think it's the gut check time for that team, quite frankly. And then for Mizzou, been up and down South Carolina. Um, they need this win because there are not many wins possible on their schedule. And uh, this may be one of them, but, you know, if they're going to start to make a little bit of – a of a, a stance that look, we're our season is not over after that North Carolina loss, and we know we got beat by Alabama. It'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. And then, and then, how many points is Central Florida going to put on pit? as <laughs> they try to make that statement? You know, those are those are all intriguing games that uh, I think are intriguing. And how about this? How about for a sneaky game? I'm not going to sell it as a big game, but how about Kansas, West miles, and that win against BC last week, West Virginia. Finally figuring things out. Couldn't find their offense for nothing and then score 44 against a pretty good defensive front at NC State. It's the Mountaineers going to Lawrence, Kansas. Can you say, hey, let's watch this, baby? (laughs) I I know you're not going to watch it, folks. I will. That's my job. I'll let you know how it goes.
0: And that's right. And you can go to LandryFootball.com and read exactly about what happened in that game. Chris, film room previews and film room
1: breakdowns are just the tip of the iceberg at LandryFootball.com. Absolutely. We'll break them down by conference for you so they're easy to find, easy to look through, matchups to look for as you get prepared for the games and what happened once the games are over. Grade the teams. We'll kind of give out game balls in each conference each week. So it's a good uh, good peek inside the film room of what's going on around the world of college football and, of course, the NFL. So check us out. Get our 50% discount. Uh, you'll absolutely love it. Uh, less than a magazine subscription. You can see the game from a whole different level inside the film room. New
0: podcasts available every single day on LandryFootball.com as well. Be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's on Air. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the college football film room wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll talk to you next week, Chris. Hey, thank you, Scott. Look forward to it.